This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. Hmm. Oh, good evening, intrepid listeners. I'm afraid you've caught me at the bad time, though in all honesty, I could have chosen to tell you about all this after the fact. Duty calls, however, and you should know where my travels take me with all their ups and downs. This, well, uh, mm, uh, this is a down. One of the wheels of my horse broke, and I'm stranded on the side of some haunted road. And yes, I only ever travel down haunted roads. It's how I'm able to blend in. I've been trying to get in contact with someone for the past hour, but as you can imagine, the reception is terrible, such as the double edge of spectral byways. At this time of night, no one passes along this feared stretch of highway. So I've taken it upon myself to try and fix the wheel, but uh, it's slow going, and again, I'm a storyteller and a chef, not a shed handy with repairs. You know, I wasn't really planning on talking too much about myself, intrepid listeners, but I think you should understand that, compared to some of my fellow kin, my powers have been greatly diminished over the years. There was a time when I could move freely through the shadows, and could be found at every little corner where firelight couldn't reach, and when people could huddle together and tell stories of suspense and fright to each other. These days, though, I am reduced to the darkness just outside of a screen's glow, and even that... Great. Just wonderful. Now I've made it worse. Oh, whatever happened to me? Is this what I've been reduced to? Hmm? What is that? It's a... A hot rod... Purse? Nice wheels you got there, handsome. Is that an antique? What? I said, is that an antique? I prefer to call it retro, but uh, judging by its current estate... Well, you look stuck in a rut in more ways than one. Need a hand? Well, unless you have a spare wagon wheel. Not on this, baby. But I can give you a lift, at least. Where are you headed? To wherever chilling stories can be found. I know I'm not terribly specific, but... Mmm, a shade after my own heart. Alright, hop in. I know a ghoul down the way that's good with his hands. And he's good at fixing retro hearses, too. <laughs> Alright. What about the horses? They look collapsible. You can throw them in the trunk. There's a spare coffin back there. Alright. Disassemble. They're obedient, I'll give them that. Call me old-fashioned, but I enjoy traveling with literal horsepower. Oh, I like a ghoul with a sense of humor. Hop in and buckle up. You're a shade. Naturally. Took you that long to notice? I thought I knew most of the other shades, but I don't believe we have met. To whom do I owe this generosity? I go by the Lady Killer. In that you kill ladies? I'm a lover, not a fighter. Plus, I'm an equal opportunity killer, but the name kinda stuck. You know how it is. I do. So, what's your aspect? Horror camp. Midnight picture shows, monster movie marathons, B-grade stories with doofy premises you can't help but love because of all the sex and gore. You know, quality entertainment. Ooh, I see. There's enough of an audience for schlock horror that the zeitgeist spawned you, eh? Yep, with tongue firmly in cheek. I live for wacky, spooky fun. But I bet you know exactly what that's like, Pasta Shade. Ah, you've heard of me then. Mainly by reputation. 
Your aspects and mine sometimes cross, even if our paths haven't. Plus, I listen to your podcast. Sad you're on hiatus. Oh, never fear. I'm just gathering new material. We launch again in October. Fantastic. Well, it's good to finally meet you. Say, you're still looking for stories, right? Always. Though I'm not sure how well your area of expertise would translate to audio drama. Says the shade that ran a Jeff the Killer episode. That was an April Fool's prank. <laughs> what if I told you I knew a good, struggling podcast that's looking for an audience? Do you host other shows? Well, I mean, we do have undercoat analysis, but it's something else entirely. Let me play their first episode for you. I'm a big fan, but you can only get it on Scrypod right now. Scrypod? Extra-dimensional arcane podcast device. Love it. Very niche. All right. You've got to be curious. Besides, I'm just a passenger. Play whatever you like. Trust me, you'll get a kick out of it. Crap, is it? Yeah, it's recording. Cool. No, Donnie, it's fine. We're fine. Just just cut this part out. Yeah, this part. I don't know. You're the one doing the editing. Just, just fix it in post. <laughs> you better not. We don't want this that raw, okay? Okay. I'm doing it for real now. <clears throat> There's an old saying that I'm positive you've heard before. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. From janitors to garbage collectors, men and women in these lines of work do things we as a populace are loath to do. They're valuable services, despite being thankless jobs. I mean, how often have you told the person sorting your recycling from your trash that you appreciate them keeping you from drowning in your own junk? I mean, it's safe to say not often. But on the list of important but undesirable career paths, the average sanitation worker probably gets more gratitude on a daily basis than someone with the job I'm about to describe gets in their entire career. I'm talking about zombie hunters. Widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes, morgues, and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. Ever since the first outbreak in 1968, the undead have been a part of average existence, a common issue that is seen as, like the cockroach, little more than an annoyance these days. We understand the results, if not the cause. And dealing with zombies has become as simple as making a phone call and waiting for someone to come handle the problem. You would think this would mean the zombie hunters that make sure the dead stay dead would get immense respect. But I'm sure everyone listening knows, or at least thinks they know, how they feel about folks who do the job. Note how I've been calling them zombie hunters. You probably know them by their colloquial title, deadbaggers. And it's not a title of endearment, I can tell you that much. I conducted a quick series of impromptu interviews to get a sense of what the average person thinks. So what do you think of zombie hunters? They're disgusting. Who in their right mind would want to be a deadbagger? I understand what they do is important, but honestly, they probably pick up, like, all kinds of diseases, so I don't really know any, like, personally. Oh, they're disgusting. Gross. I don't want to see them in my neighborhood, and I don't want my children exposed to that. Thank you very much. They're the ones doing the unnatural thing. If the dead walk the earth, it's the, the Lord's will. And they're probably going against it by butchering. Probably get a sick pleasure out of it too, perverts. Oh, we had to call it dead bagger once after my uncle died. It was 
gross. Like, I know it wasn't really my uncle anymore, but the guy could have been more respectful, you know? Like, my mom house smelled for, like, weeks after that. What's this for? A documentary podcast. About dead baggers? Yeah, so would you... Is this for a school project or something? No, this is my own thing. I'm a college graduate. <laughs> really? What'd you major in? Journalism. <laughs> yeah, bullshit liberal college system. Don't give a degree to anyone these days. Donnie, you could cut this part out. Clearly, there's a lot of stigma surrounding these people, despite how needed their services are. What really motivates them? What does it take to be a zombie hunter? The mission of this podcast is to document the lives, the methods, and struggles of these unsung heroes of everyday life, share their stories with the world, and to hopefully give them the appreciation they deserve. It may not be the most glamorous topic for a podcast, but hey, it's a dirty job, and someone's got to do it. I'm Amber Gordon, and this is Deadbackers. be asking yourself, why does this woman care so much about people that kill dead people as a career? To be honest, I can't tell you exactly why either. I've never had a run-in with a zombie, and I've certainly never seen a zombie hunter at work. I know there's a lot of videos. Yes, and I've always been kind of squeamish, so I avoided them. But as a journalist, I started to recognize the spread of misinformation about zombie hunting and exterminating among the public and I'm surprised about how little I actually knew about the subject. Most take it for granted, but I wanted to know the details. Call it morbid curiosity. But after delving into the scant bit of information I could find, I knew I'd found something potentially interesting, more so than people give it credit for. Unsure exactly where to start, I reached out to a few employees of Final Returns Incorporated, in hopes I might be able to get an interview. Final Returns is the largest commercial zombie removal service in the United States, and almost the only one you ever see advertised. Understandably, there's not a lot of competition in this market. I won't lie when I tell you that the majority of replies I got were confused and suspicious, people wondering if I had accidentally contacted the wrong number, or saying I was crazy for wanting to look into the matter, and no-takers. And then, a breakthrough. The first warm response I received was this voicemail. Hey, this is Devin returning a call from Amber. Uh, not sure what you're hoping to accomplish talking to a guy like me about what I do, but I heard you called a bunch of others and no one wants to talk to you. Yeah, they're a bunch of wusses. Give me a call back when we can set a time and place. Alright, bye. My cursory research showed that Devin Coolidge had been working for Final Returns for over a decade and has an impressive track record of solo missions under his belt. I couldn't believe my luck. I was about to have my first proper interview with a zombie hunter, and one with legitimate field experience. I got in touch quickly, and we worked things out, and we met within the week at his home. Due to the nature of his work, Devin asked I not disclose his location on our show. Even though this is the internet age, and it's frighteningly easy to look up. <laughs> Uh, 
You could cut that part out, Donnie. I was just being silly. Thanks for the tea. Uh, don't mention it. I can't stomach coffee anymore. Only time I drink it is in shots for late calls at work. Can't get rid of the association. With your job? That's right. You ever want an excuse to go vegetarian, quit smoking, drop a bad habit? You get in my line of work. It'll take the pleasure right out of anything. Devin is in his mid-30s, but has an air about him that seems a decade older. His skin has a tanned consistency of a regular beachgoer, but without the color. And when he smiles, there's a tightness to it that shows a hard line where its limits are. Even so, he was nothing but polite and open with me, and gave me some surprising insights to start the show with. I'll let the rest of the interview speak for itself. So, what do you want to know? Well, it's hard to know where to start. Like I said in our calls, you're the only one who's willing to talk about it. I wish I could say I was surprised, but I'm not. I think they get enough shit from people as is. Can we, can we swear on this show? It's fine. It'll get censored in post. Alright. Like I was saying, we get a lot of flack on a daily basis for what we do, and that's only when people are willing to complain at us. That's why your call surprised me. I just think there's a lot of misconceptions about your work. And I want to help debunk a few things. Maybe enlighten a few people. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Ignorance is, is bliss. Then, before we do anything else, my first question is, what is one of the most common fallacies about your work you'd like to clear up for the uninitiated? Huh. Okay, uh, here's my main piece of advice. It's always a zombie. Um, what do you mean? Uh, it's a phrase I use with a lot of the greens at FR. It's always a zombie. I didn't coin it, but I made it popular over there. Is it like a mantra? More like a reminder for the stupid or just folks not in the know. The uh, thing is, Amber, we're, we're half a century from the night zombies first appeared and most people still don't know what the f*** they are or how they work. The average Joe these days thinks, hey, if the dead can walk the earth, then maybe ghosts are real and aliens can land in my backyard. And those sorts of people still call us, thinking we're like a bunch of Van Helsings. Can't factor that what we do is both necessary and normal. Like it or not, zombies are just a fact now. I kind of follow. You're saying just because zombies exist doesn't mean other things do. Mostly. But, but I think lumping your own superstitions and beliefs... Uh, before facts is what I'm getting at. Mind if I tell you a story uh, why I took this career? Uh, please do. Uh, I was actually going to ask you that next. Uh, it ties in. Trust me. So like most kids, I never considered zombie hunter my dream job. I wanted to be a, a firefighter, soldier, possibly Pee Wee Herman. If, if you told me, little baby me, that I'd end up splattering rotten dead brains across landscapes all over the world... Well, there would have been crying involved. Then when I was about to graduate high school and I realized I had no idea what I was going to do as an adult, job fair rolled in. It was pretty much all soulless box stores, burger joints, minimum, minimum wage garbage. Uh, then I found the final returns booth. They had a video game set up, though they called it uh, Murder Simulator, and all the kids were gathered around it, blasting away at reanimated corpses. Most of the kids got sick looking at all the gore on the screen. The rest took their turns and walked away with no interest. But I was actually considering it. Sure, it was, it was a job nobody wanted to do, 
but I'd spent a year at my uncle's farm, and let's just say I came away from that place with a strong stomach. It only takes a few times before you force yourself to stop naming the lambs, if you know what I mean. I, I do. Either way, I played the game, got through it without gagging too much, <laughs> and the guy at the booth said I was the best they'd seen that day. There was talk about it being a lucrative career path. <laughs> I've seen in some of the ads that Final Returns does offer great and stable wages. Trust me, it only pays well because it's hard, messy work. The smell alone drives so many workers insane. They have a name for the syndrome, rot nose, and there's always a risk you'll get cannibalized by your dead grandmother. I'm almost sorry I asked. Ah, don't be. It's how you learn. Of course, high school me didn't. And hell, I figured at least I'd get to shoot guns and things. That's always a plus if you have no other prospects lined up. I actually filled an application then and there, the only one I bothered with. And while I was uh, ignorant, me asked if we shot at other things, like giant rats or demons or something. Guy in the goofy rubber gravestone costume, the goofy mascot trying to pull kids in, he turns to me and says, It's never anything else. It's always a zombie. Right he was. Devin went on to tell me a little bit about the training he had to do after he was brought in, though he wasn't terribly specific. Final Returns, unsurprisingly, seems to operate with the rationale of a private military organization, with a strict training regime intended to make sure their crew don't make mistakes, such as mistaking a sleepwalker for a zombie, as Devin put it. While the actual inner workings of the company and the training itself were what I was hoping to get into, Devin wasn't finished with his story quite yet. He warned me that it wasn't pretty, but I assured him, I and my listeners just wanted the truth. Nasty bits and all. I was still an undead virgin when I got the call, or when the guy I was shadowing got his call. I hadn't earned the right to go on solo jobs yet. I hadn't even seen real zombie at this point, just pictures and a hell of a lot of videos. Really? Yeah, through these days, they do put the trainees through a more specific crash course with a couple of dummies. Safety measures have gotten better. Anyway, the guy I was stuck with, people called him Pike. I found out later that uh, Pike is a big hard stick you jam dead people's heads onto. Yikes. It, it fit him. He called me Bite Bait at the time. Guess that fit too. So what was that first call? Uh, that was to this big estate in Maryland. Old sprawling mansion on acres of green land. Thick forest on all sides. I'd never seen a place that big before. But Pike wasn't impressed. He said, big houses are empty houses. That was all. And the job? Right. Uh, whoever called had been real cagey on the phone. According to Pike, said we'd discuss the details when we arrived. It's not the first time we've gotten a possible false alarm. But with an estate like that calling people like us... Well, management wanted it taken out face value. So, so we roll in around midnight, and this old man greets us at the door. He's the owner of the place and seems real relieved we're there. Pike got straight to the point asking what the call was about, and the old man asked if we took care of things other than zombies. Okay. We get brought into a parlor where the whole family is. This is an old money family, you can tell right off the bat. And the scene I walk into is straight out of an old dark house movie, no joke. There's an old woman, a kind of rakish looking man, 
a little younger than our host. I think he was the old guy's brother. And a boy and a girl about my age, uh, twin siblings, and uh, uh, spooky as fuck, all gathered around a big roaring fire in the fireplace. The only light in the room. Immediately, the old man starts asking if we know the legend of the banshee. Oh, the, the Irish ghost. Whales that foretell death? You caught on faster than I did. <laughs> hey, my degree has to show something. Sorry to interrupt. No worries. Uh, so our client told us that he'd been hearing something wailing for the past three nights. The groundskeeper had apparently heard it, got spooked, took one of their tractors, and ran. The brothers pointed out that the groundskeeper was also unreliable and had robbed their wine cellar, but they couldn't find any trace of him or their tractor after. Then the night before they called us, the old man's daughter, the mother of the two kids, had also gone missing. It went quiet after that, but then the noise started again. That was when they called us. Pike, meanwhile, is writing all this down in a notepad and nodding. Me, I'm distracted by the girl. <laughs> I definitely heard her brother whisper a disgusting dead bagger to her, loud enough for me to hear. No offense, but since you were standing in the parlor of a mansion... Uh-huh. Uh, not surprised. No one there would shake Pike's hand when he said we were on it. I imagine they were going to throw the chair he'd sat in into the fire the moment we left the room. But we leave. Start combing the woods around the property. I was all questions again, wondering how we were going to pin down this banshee. Then we heard it. Way off in the trees. This mournful moan. I was like, shit, it's a banshee. <laughs> I'll never forget the look Pike gave me. Like, kid, you have no idea. He shows me what he wrote down on that notepad from earlier. Just one word. Zombie. It's always a zombie. Uh, that's what I said. Apparently Pike hadn't heard that one before. Asked me if I came up with it. I wanted to impress him, so I just blurted out, Yes! <laughs> so we followed the sound into the trees for... About an hour, I'd say took a bit because we have to stop and listen for the wailing when it died down but then it had come up and we point our flashlights in that direction and head off finally we come to this clearing in the trees on one side is this huge pile of leaves and branches and in the middle is a crumbling stone well which the whale was coming out of I wasn't entirely convinced there wasn't a ghost in there but Pike made his way over there to take a look He's got a shotgun on him. Well, all I had was this ridiculous bright yellow training pistol. Reminded me of a pair of safety scissors. Had you fired an actual gun before this? A couple times. On a range. I was told I'd get something more lethal after I was properly certified. So, for all you knew, it could have been a toy gun. (laughs) There's some rough hazing there sometimes. But no one's cruel enough to send some poor kid out into the field with nerf pellets. No. It was real. It was just stupid looking. I rest my case. Please continue. Okay. So Pike goes over, looks in, and then tells me we have clearance. That's a term we use, by the way. When a target is far enough away or otherwise engaged, you have clearance to take a moment and think through your next actions. But he motions me over. I look down into that hole in the earth. Sure, I'd see a ghost face staring back up at me with empty eye sockets. Nope. A zombie? That's right. A zombie. 
specifically the groundskeeper, judging by the overalls. It was standing waist-deep in some fetid water at the bottom, and its moaning was amplified and echoing because of the stone chamber. Pike was about to shoot it in the head when I saw something else in the water and pointed it out. My flashlight reflected off a human skull and a few bones bobbing on the surface. Pike said that was probably the missing mother. Fell in trying to help the groundskeeper, and it picked her clean. It was quiet for a while because it wasn't hungry. Fell in trying to help? Uh Uh-huh. Come on, no one's that dumb. You'd be surprised. But, like, she would know it was a zombie with all the moaning and decay, right? You got a good head on your shoulders, Amber. That's exactly what I was thinking at the time. Something didn't feel right. Pike didn't care, though. He blew that zombie away. I didn't watch the dead guy's head explode. It wasn't because I couldn't take it. I was just more interested in something else. I saw some empty wine bottles near that big pile of leaves and sticks. As I kicked at them, a bunch of the pile fell off of the missing tractor that it was covering. The keys were still in the ignition. I mean, why does some old dude drive out in the middle of the woods and just drink random bottles of wine? It's like something someone my age would have done. That was when I heard the thud and saw Pike fall to the ground. Behind him were those two siblings, each with a hunting rifle. The boy had just brained Pike with the butt end of it. Oh, jeez. I went for my pistol, and they had beads drawn on me in a second. I immediately called them on what they'd done. They took the tractor and the booze, and when the groundskeeper found them out, they'd shoved him in the well. And then they start telling me everything in that smug Machiavellian kind of way, like they're evil masterminds or something. Spoiled bastards. They took the tractor after they took the wine. But that's what happens when you're drunk. And yeah, they must have thought I was dead meat at that point. Which is why they started talking. Hell, they'd kill their own mother. What? Really? They even admitted it. It wasn't premeditated, sure. But that doesn't change the fact it happened. I could tell it still bothered the sister, but the brother, he had no remorse. Said she didn't leave well enough alone after the groundskeeper left. He claimed they thought he was still alive, since he was moving around down in the well, and that he'd tell the mother everything. So when she found him, they dumped her down the well, too. Uh, Devin, don't take this the wrong way, but if you're embellishing here, I'd rather get the hard facts. Hey, 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 I don't blame you for thinking this is all ludicrous. How do you think I felt? I got the Omen twins staring me down with rifles and talking about their schemes while Pike's bleeding on the ground. It's one hell of a way to start a new job. Then something dawned at me. I shut off my flashlight. The one and only reason they knew where I was standing in the first place. The first shot split the darkness, and thankfully it didn't do the same to my head. The second, third, and fourth shots came right after. The two of them were firing blind. I heard Pike groan in the dark, and I yelled at him to look out. I couldn't really see what happened. But I heard one of the kids yelp. Two more shots were fired. In that brief flash of light, I could see the barrel dangerously close to Pike's chest. On another squeal, then it got quiet. I I called out to Pike. Uh, Silence. I took the flashlight and cast a beam across the grass. Either everything was safe or I'd be immediately shot. There didn't seem to be much of an option, regardless. There was Pike, crouched over the girl's body. The back of his head was broken open where he'd been hit with a gun. Pike was eating the girl's flesh. 
Oh God. Yeah, uh, she was she was dead, neck broken. Same with her brother nearby. I was able to get close enough for a clean shot. The ridiculous yellow training pistol, all but pressed against Pike's temple. I didn't bother explaining anything to the family. I was just a kid. I had nothing to say. Instead, I got to the car and took off. Once I got far enough away to regain some of my wits, I phoned into the company and ordered five pickups. Wow, I'm... I'm sorry? It's fine. (laughs) You learn fast that this is genuinely messy work. And this was my big crash course in that. To be honest, I, I never told this story to anyone outside of the job. Really? Why tell me then? I mean... You're trying to enlighten people. Isn't that what you said? Yeah. Well, I hope that helped enlighten some things. For you and your listeners, nothing about this job is easy, but we know how to deal with the zombies most of the time. It's people you have to worry about. People like those kids. That little farce set me back a bit. Pike didn't have many friends, but a hell of a lot of people respected him. After news hit that he died on the job, it seemed like they were going to build a monument back at the office. Don't you worry about me making the story public? Nah. I made peace with the idea when you made the call. People should know what we have to deal with on a daily basis. Mine's a weird case, but shit like that's more common than you'd think. And I've seen a lot of strange since that first job. Sorry. I need to take this. No worries. Go ahead. As it turned out, Devin had just gotten a work call. That promptly put an end to our interview. I would be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed. I had so many more questions in the wake of our talk. And with Devin's raw story still fresh in my mind, I wondered if maybe I was going about this the right way. And then, just as I was getting ready to pack up and shut down, he surprised me yet again. Want to tag along? Huh? It's a routine job. Should be pretty straightforward. Normally we don't let the normies come with, but I have enough clout to pull some strings. Oh, uh, this is kind of unexpected. I, uh, well, I don't really have anything else going on. What do you think, Donnie? Fuck yeah! Um, okay, wow, uh, sure. Great, I'll drive. Just stick close to me and keep your audio rolling. If you pull the journalism card on people at FR, I'll vouch for you. Are you squeamish? I'll, uh... I'll manage. You'll have to. And with that simple offer, Devin ushered me into the strange and unpredictable world of zombie hunters. What happened on that impromptu ride-along? That and so much more will be revealed next time on Deadbaggers. I'm Amber Gordon. Thanks for listening. From a post-outbreak universe. Pretty snazzy, eh? I like it well enough. Rough around the edges. Clearly done on little to no budget, but its heart is in the right place. See, I think the show would be a big hit here in this reality, but it needs a good host network. Hmm. I don't know. 
Transdimensional copyright might be a thing, but I'll look into it. My team of chefs is not entirely of this world either, and they might know a good solution. No promises, but I appreciate you enlightening me. Happy to help. Ah, and my timing is great as always. Here we are. Ooh, this looks like the kind of place Dr. Frankenstein might call home. It's a mad scientist aesthetic. You don't get a lot of spooky castles in this part of the country. Who am I looking for exactly? Just ask for Dr. Hack. Tell him you're a friend of mine and you're golden. He and Igor can help you out. He has an Igor? That's a good sign. Well, thank you for the ride, my dear Lady Keeler. It's been a pleasure making your acquaintance. The pleasure's all mine, Pasta Shade. Hit me up sometime soon. And keep up the good work. You can bet your afterlife on that. We're connected through the zeitgeist, after all. Until next we convene. Toodaloo, handsome. Oh, oh, hey, wait, wait! I forgot about the horses in the trunk. Oh, scheiße. Now what am I going to do? Midnight Marinera is written, produced, directed, and mixed by David King. This episode features the voices of, in order of appearance, Kira Buckland as the Lady Killer, Rachel Hansen as Amber, and Sandy Stoltz as Devin, with additional voices by David Little, Marissa Yardley, Sean M. Finkel, Angie Viper, and Michael Ornelas. It's Always a Zombie is adapted from the original short story by Slime Beast. Original music by Abysme, with additional music by Kevin McLeod. Ending theme by John King. Did this episode make a decent backdoor pilot for a longer series? Then you can let us know by subscribing to this podcast and leaving us some feedback with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also email us at midnightmarinera at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter or Tumblr. And hey, if you'd like to give a little extra to the show and keep the door between you and the hideous fish people barred, consider becoming a patron and supporting our Patreon with a small monthly donation. This month's epitaph. In memoriam, Lori Flynn departed this life after many years of intrepid listening. The grave is cold, but it is quiet, and the listening continues. Rest in peace. Do you like wrestling? Well, I sure as hell do. I'm Brendan Creasy, and you can check out me and my friends talking about wrestling on Mr. Brendo's Wrestling Show, found at mbwspod.com or at benviewnetwork.com. If you're into WWE, ECW, Ring of Honor, PWG, other indies, all that stuff, New Japan Pro Wrestling, or you don't, if you don't even know what those are, I can, t- I can tell you about them. So go ahead and listen to Mr. Brendo's Wrestling Show.